Welcome to the Natural Health Rising Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Smith, Certified Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Practitioner. I'm here to deliver you weekly episodes where you will hear conversations with health experts and solo episodes about functional medicine and all things holistic health. My goal is to provide you with the knowledge and tools you need in order to help you rise to your healthiest, happiest self. So on this episode of the Natural Health Rising podcast, I have James Berry with me. So James has over 16 years of experience in the culinary field. He started as a private chef cooking for celebrities such as Tom Cruise, George Clooney, Gerard Butler, Sean Combs, aka P. Diddy, Barbara Streisand, and John Cusack. Most recently, James launched his first functional food product, Pluck, an organ-based seasoning. It's the first of its kind in an easy and delicious way for people to get organ meats into their diet. James is also a published cookbook author, having co-authored the recipes in Margaret Floyd's book, Eat Naked, and co-authored the follow-up cookbook, The Naked Foods Cookbook. He most recently co-authored the recipes in Dr. Alejandro Junger's book, Clean 7. Welcome to the show, James. Hello. Thanks for so- Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. And Oh my God, what an impressive lineup for people (laughs) that you used to cook for. I have to ask, how did you wind up cooking for those celebrities? I know it's, it's funny. I went to a, a um, hiring place at one point in my career, you know, where they were, you know, they would help get me out to other clients and they were like, how did you build this resume without working with someone like us. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it was just kind of word of mouth. Um, I went to a culinary school that was known for uh, supporting private households, you know, to to supporting um, people and becoming private chefs and particularly like known for healthy cooking. Um, it was a school in New York. It doesn't exist anymore. At least now it's part of some other program. But um, I, I, a lot, like probably my first two years of clients came from referrals from the school. I mean, it was pretty awesome. I have to say, I mean, I, I, the school was really supportive and I was also, I think unique. And when I showed up, I was in my thirties when I showed up and I was like, I showed up to, to learn, you know, and there were a lot of people that had just gotten out of high school and they kind of just were excited to be in New York. They weren't excited to be at culinary school. And so they didn't show up sometimes, but I got like a perfect attendance. I was like showing up to learn during Saturday farmer's markets. I was staging in restaurants. Like I really, really took advantage of being there. And I think the school recognized that I was very dependable and reliable. And so that's why I got so many referrals. Mm, Very cool. Well, how did you get started to becoming a chef anyways? Because I mean, from what I read online, it sounds like as a kid, you had a pretty standard American diet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so where did that shift into being a chef and making meals actually healthy? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, jo- I, I joke, but it's actually very serious that we knew dinner was ready because the smoke detector went off. That's <laughs> That was my kind of exposure, at least in my household, to cooking. I mean, it was very basic. Um but I think a lot of times where we go in life is dictated by the contrasts, you know, like you're, you, you're raised a certain way. And then that kind of pushes you into the opposite direction and gets you curious about that. At least that's been my experience. So from pretty early on, um, I would say in my early 
or late teens, early twenties, I just was really fascinated with how do I make comfort foods, the foods that everyone gravitate towards, how do, how do I make those healthy? Because I, I, I kind of instinctively knew that if I could make comfort foods healthy, then I was onto something because that's what everyone gravitates to all the time. I mean, I mean, COVID is a perfect example, right? When COVID hit, most health practices went out the door and what people gravitated to or defaulted to were like all their addictions or all the kind of comfort foods, the safety zones, the, the emotional comfort foods like sugar and alcohol and, you know, pastries, you know, donuts were popular, you know, like every, everything that was kind of like the thing that we're always trying to avoid when you're trying to be healthy. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so I'm, I'm really like, I've always be, been slanted towards that, towards, towards making everyday foods healthy. Mm. Okay. So instead of saying we have to cut out the mac and cheese and the burgers and the brownies, how do we, how do we take those and create a healthy version of those things so that we can not feel restricted and still enjoy things like that? Yeah, exactly. That, that is what I tend to focus on. And, and how I focus on that is I really look at a couple of factors like, the, and this is kind of how I would approach clients is when I would first work them, work with them. I wouldn't just say, what are your favorite foods? I would say, well, what, what do you eat when you're having a hard day? Mm. Or what did you eat when you were a kid? What textures do you tend to gravitate towards? Because, you know, as humans, we, we, we do look for things that are easy and we look for things that are delicious. Those are really, if I boil down, like, what are the two characteristics of food that I need to hit as a chef to make sure that health becomes not only uh, a habit, but like a lifestyle, I have to hit those two things. It has to be healthy and it has to be delicious. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what I tend to focus on. So, so, you know, with mac and cheese, for example, I mean, I was doing this long time ago, way before it was popular, but like I would take cauliflower and I would mess around with it or I would take spaghetti sauce and or, or, or sorry, spaghetti um, squash. Or I was I was using vegetables in a way to recreate those noodles and and really then focusing on the texture that people get from mac and cheese. You know, it's that kind of creaminess, but also that has a bite to it. So I was always trying to basically recreate that. And you could do that with the sauce. You could make it you know, have a cheesy flavor, even if you were avoiding dairy, um, you know, I would use nuts and seeds and I would use nutritional yeast and, and um, onions. And I would kind of create really tasty sauces um, to make these foods re remind people of, of the one that they're having to avoid, but obviously being healthier and really just making sure they didn't feel deprived. I mean, that was ultimately it. Was, mm -hmm. was just to help people get through it emotionally because food is just so emotional, you know? Yeah, no, I love that. And that's something, so when someone starts working with me, for example, we it, we do a big shift from standard American food to gluten-free, dairy-free, all these things while they're healing. And that's a big freak out moment for someone is when they say, well, what do you mean? I can't have my pasta or I can't have this or that. But my goal is always to say, hey, no, what can we swap instead of that? Well, let's do some cassava pasta instead of doing, which is a root instead of doing the, the grain pasta and all that kind of stuff. So I think that there's always a swap out there for people. You just have to 
dig a little bit deeper into that and and figure out what it can be for you. So it doesn't have to be so restrictive. Absolutely. I mean, it's gotten so much easier, you know, as you said at the intro, I mean, I've been doing this for nearly 20 years and the options back in the day weren't, weren't what they are now. So mm-hmm. there, there are so many new products out there that make eating with restrictions so much easier. But even then, I still caution people to not fall asleep at the cart. Like you still really have to read the labels because even things like, yes, you know, sweet potato starch. Well, that's people think when they get those kind of noodles because they're gluten free, they're like, oh, this is it's sweet potatoes. Like, no, no, no. This is the starch of the sweet potato. It's it's a isolated ingredient of the whole food that is called sweet potato. So it's not the same. And in even that can spike insulin levels, you know, so uh, blood, blood glucose levels. So you have to be, you know, really careful about even these gluten-free products because, you know, when gluten-free first came out, everyone thought, oh, it's so it's, that means it's healthier. And I was like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. It, it just means it's gluten-free. And sometimes it's, it's worse, you know, in terms of in- ingredients. Oh, I agree. And it's funny. I'm glad you brought this up because I actually want to ask you about this because on your Instagram, you'll post pictures of the back of say a bag of nuts or something. And you're like, Hey, this looks healthy, but check it out. There's X, Y, and Z in here. So are there some, if you have any top of mind that are top packaged foods or top ingredients that people should look out for and really reframe or rethink before they buy something? I mean, I always like to focus on one thing and and the thing that I think most people are getting really poor oils, really bad ingredients from are like the oil, like the the dressings and the sauces that they buy pre-made. So I I tend to focus on that. Um, But in general, I think that, you know, there's the age old kind of talk of like, oh, we'll shop on the outsides of the aisles, not the inside, because the outsides are is real food typically, and the insides are processed foods. Um, I think so that that still stands true. Um, I think also to try to focus on foods that are ingredients versus foods that have ingredients. So so meaning that, you know, if I'm buying, let's say almonds, that I'm not buying almonds that have a bunch of ingredients. I'm buying an in- almonds that have one ingredient, just almonds. So that means they're raw, probably. They're not roasted because a lot of times if they're roasted, they have some kind of oil in them. Um, if they are flavored, like this is one thing people really have to understand is, is the way that they get flavor on nuts and seeds is they put some kind of like sugar or sweetener, something to make it stick. You can't get the you know, you can't make beer nuts without sugar. You can't, you can't do these things, even wasabi, you know, whatever these flavors are, it will not, it will not stick without some kind of um, ingredient that is sticky. And so that's some kind of oil or sugar usually. Um, But most, most importantly is just read the back. Like don't focus on the front. The front of a label is it's marketing still. It's not regulated. The back of a product is regulated and if you don't understand those ingredients, then your body's not going to. Mm-hmm. Very good point. What would you say is going wrong with our agriculture and our food supply today? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, there's so much that's talked about. I mean, 
I could get kind of dark about it, like that there is already talk that we are already past the breaking point that basically in the next 20 years, 40 years, we're going to have a complete like destruction of our agricultural systems. Like we're going to, we're not going to be able to grow food mostly because the mm. soils are so depleted and we're, we're still relying on these mono crop farms. I mean, some of these farms are as big as States, you know, they're huge, huge, mm. huge farms and they're growing, you know, single crops, usually soy, corn, um, and, or wheat and, and, um, and basically to get to grow such a huge farm, they're using, you know, synthetic fertilizers, they're, they're using GMO seeds, they're using these unnatural products to basically replenish the soils. But what it does is actually keeps the soils depleted. And they've been measuring, you know, the agricultural um, department has been measuring produce in the US since the 60s. And they have tracked that produce is less nutrient rich ever like throughout time now so basically uh they now have what 60 years of data and they can show you that a, you know a tomato of 1960s is completely um better than the tomato of today and so that tells you right there i mean that's scary first of all um and it's not talked about enough in the media um but it tells you right there that well, no wonder we're not as healthy as our ancestors. It's like, like the food that we're eating that they received is we're getting nutrient void, like the food that that's less nutrient dense. So clearly, we're going to have health issues. Um, let alone the fact that air quality, water quality, soil quality, like that these things are are a mess. You know, so I get I get really scared when I think about what's not being talked about in the agricultural business. And I'm in no way an expert. I just do some research here and there, but where I kind of like to flip the, 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 the script is like, I looked in at all the regenerative farming talk that is starting to happen. You know, um, there are so many amazing people that are over, even COVID helped support this. A lot of people moved to urban, uh, to, to more rural areas and started farms. You know, so it's it's exciting to see that more and more people are getting interested in growing their own food and caring about what where it's coming from, the seed to the soil. Um, but I think we have to do more. I mean, I think it, we have to reach these bigger farms, and I and I worry that that these bigger farms won't be able to change. Um, I had an interesting conversation with. Are you familiar with um, with Joel Salatin of Polyface Farm? No. So he's pretty famous for being an innovator in terms of re really getting the regenerative farming um, movement out there. And he's he's been doing this for a long time. And I saw him last year and I was like, so are you starting to get the the do? Uh, you know, are you starting to get kind of um, are people finally starting to accept that you've been not a crazy farmer, that you've actually been speaking truth and, and that what you do matters. And he said, no, could be well, all the, what the feedback I get is actually uh, from the big people. I'm talking from the big ag. They just say, Oh, well, of course you only have a hundred acres, you know, try, try dealing with 200,000 acres. You know what I mean? Like, like they still look at him as a small um, 
a, a small business and and so that his work that he's doing isn't isn't like reputable because of that and that's that's what scares me it's because if these big farms don't change if the big ag if the big companies don't change then it's there's little we can do yeah i think another important thing for people listening to is we are technically voting every time we purchase food so if we all purchase the the grass-fed meats that we know are coming from a regenerative farm well then they have to keep producing that right and so you know we somehow have to get this massive shift into everybody purchasing that way so that we don't uh i guess we show more that we need those things around yeah i and i agree i i just get worried though because it sometimes feels like eating healthy is a wealthy person's problem you know it's like that yeah. that there are so many people out there that are you know going from paycheck to paycheck and if they have a choice i mean this was showcased in many documentaries you know 10 years ago if they have a choice um of buying an apple for $4 or buying a happy meal for $4, they're going to buy the happy meal because they see that as more getting more food for their buck. Um, and that, I mean, that's just the reality. That is how a majority of people are living is they, they focus on what, how much of an item can they get with that dollar? And it's funny too, cause I'll go to the grocery store a lot. I mean, I kind of look at the grocery store as my office and i'll look at people's carts that's I, I like to see what people are buying and um i'll see a cart with all processed food yeah and i'll watch their their price you know how much they're spending for their cart of food just go up and up and up and i i think they don't even realize that even though they're buying ramen noodles and i don't know tv dinners or frozen dinners it's like they they think it's going to be cheaper than buying the real stuff and I don't, I would question, I would question if it is, you know what I mean? Like, I think that when it's all said and done, they're probably spending more than the person that is just buying the stuff from scratch and making their own product. What kind of supplements are you using? Are they just something you randomly found online or at a local store? Most people don't realize that the supplements they're taking are not high quality and contain fillers and ingredients that may be harmful. This is why I use full script supplements with my clients, knowing that they are getting high quality, professional grade supplements for their specific needs. The decision on what supplements to take is based on individual needs, which should really be looked at by your integrative, holistic, or functional medicine health provider. You can actually make a full script account through the link in the show notes to gain access to these high quality supplements at a 15% off discount. Remember, it's always important to talk to your healthcare provider before starting any supplements. If you feel confused on what to take and you're someone who has what I call a graveyard of supplements in their cabinet, you can find a link in the show notes to book a consultation with me if you're ready to hire a functional medicine practitioner to help you optimize your nutrition, lifestyle, and supplements based upon your unique biochemistry and personal needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it is really frustrating. It does feel backwards. Like, why are we paying more to be healthy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. And, and uh, you know, it's... 
Yeah, it's a it's a big big problem, and and it's it's a little talked about problem, and I think it's even bigger than you and I even understand. I think I think there's a lot that's being hidden. I think there's a lot that um, that we don't even get to fully understand until years later. I mean, there's still stuff coming out about how, for example, Coca-Cola suppressed you know information back in the day in the 80s and 90s about you know how sugar was affecting people's health. You know, and they made it sound like, oh, you could just run it off. You could drink Coke and then run it off and you were fine. And this is like 10, 20 years of data that they completely suppressed. And it shaped how we look at our health and our food and what we eat and how that affects our longevity. And, you know, even with that coming out, I still don't see people, you know, it's not like soda sales went down when, when that all came out. People mm -hmm. are still buying just as much soda. I mean, it's a four billion plus business right so it's huge huge business so i just feel it all makes me go like we have to we have to think of food and 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 the future of food health in a different way than we are i think we're going about it the wrong way i, I really think we have to think about it from the fact of like okay what are the foods that we're eating every day and how can we make those not only healthier but also more affordable mm -hmm. You know, and so then it's a swap. It's not like a, hey, add this new health product to your regime or or make make yourself um, feel better in your body as long as you get outside for 30 minutes. It's like it's not a new thing that someone is adding to their already busy and overwhelmed state, but it's something that's just simply replacing something they already do. And now they're getting more benefit. I mean, honestly, that's kind of how I went about creating Pluck. That, that was really the focus of how I created it. Cause I was like, look, organ meats are the most nutrient dense food on the planet. And we're not eating them. We're not utilizing this, this, this natural whole food product that's there. It's there for our taking. And yet we are all suffering for it. So I was like, how can I get this product into your diet, but make it super easy, make it more affordable and make it delicious. I mean, that was really the focus. Mm -hmm. And that's why I turned it into a seasoning. Because by making it a seasoning, I then made it so it's A, shelf stable. You don't need to know how to cook it. You don't need to know how to you know, source it. You don't have to worry about it going bad. And then lastly, you can, you already season your food. Like, so it's not requiring a new habit. I'm just saying, instead of using... Lowry's or Old Bay or whatever it is you're using, just use this. And now you're getting the nutrients of organ meats every time you use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about organ meat specifically. Like why are these so amazing for our health? Well, so I, I, I believe like I, I uh, created kind of the tenants of organ meat. So there's seven of them. And this is, the, these are the reasons why I really think we should focus on organ meat. So one is they're excellent sources of heme, which is when you say put heme in front of iron, that's absorbable iron. Um, and iron is not the only source of vitamins and nutrients. They also are rich in uh, CoQ10 if it's heart. They have B12. They have other B vitamins. They have vitamin A. They have vitamin D, e, D, uh, C, D, E, and um, K. Um, they have phosphorus. They have folate, they have potassium, magnesium. I mean, it's kind of endless how many nutrients are in organ meats. 
So it's not just heme iron, but they really are excellent sources of heme iron. And a lot of people are, are very low iron. So that's that's something right away that you can incorporate into your diet and naturally get iron that's actually absorbable, particularly women who typically when you menstruate, you probably right around your menstruation, you really are low in iron. So this is important for you to incorporate organ meats in your diet right away. Uh, number two, it helps retain muscle mass. So it contains all nine essential amino acids. And it's a technically a high quality source of protein. So all organ meats are a high quality source of protein. Three, they're great um, sources of choline. Choline is an essential nutrient that benefits the brain, the muscles, and our and, and our liver. They're rich in peptides. Um, they're rich in fat soluble vitamins. Uh, I mentioned these already. Uh, fat soluble vitamins like A, D, E, and K. Um, We've learned that really all these fat soluble vitamins, they work together to promote bone health. Like vitamin D helps the body absorb calcium. Uh, vitamin A prepares the body to use calcium. And the vitamin K2 helps shuttle the calcium to the right places. Um, so right there, getting them all is really important. You don't want to isolate those vitamins. You don't want, you don't want to just get one. You want to get them together. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there's this concept called like supports like. So organs uh, provide organ specific nutrients. So let's just say if you are concerned about heart issues running in your family, well, you should be eating some heart because um, the heart that you eat is going to support your heart. The spleen you eat is going to support your spleen. The liver you eat is going to support your liver and on and ongoing. And then um, also, and this is key based on our earlier conversation, is organ meats are more affordable. So you're getting uh, the same quality, 100% grass-fed, you know, cow, right? The muscle meat of a ribeye might be 15 to $24. You could get the same, from the same cow, you could get the tongue and it will be four to $7. So it's not just a little cheaper, it's like three times cheaper. And the tongue, if anyone that hasn't had it yet, tongue makes amazing, uh, amazing kind of slow cooked meat. We have a recipe on our site at eatpluck.com under the recipes. You can look up tongue tacos, but it's one of those things that might seem overwhelming at first, but it's it's amazing because a, a it has a similar texture to muscle meat. It has more nutrients and it has better taste. You just have to get over the fact that it has this kind of skin around it, this rough skin. And, and once you cook it, that skin peels right off. And underneath is this amazing kind of muscle. And you'll see a lot at Mexican taco restaurants. You know, um, it's called lengua. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing because it really takes on the sauce or the flavors you add it to. So super, super easy, super delicious. And right away can save you money by just eating organ meats. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, what, so which organ meats are in the pluck seasoning? So we did five. Um, we did liver, heart, kidney, spleen, and pancreas. And so basically what I'm doing is I'm sourcing the same high quality, hundred percent grass fed cows, but I'm getting it from New Zealand because New Zealand has an amazing, uh, export system uh and they utilize there it's an island and basically they're able to control the climate better uh or, or the the agricultural better due to the climate they can sometimes 100 percent grass feed that year round because of the climate because of their control and they've created a system um a supply chain where they utilize the entire animal 
So they have access to all of the organs, whereas we don't here in the U.S. A lot of the organs here in the U.S. get uh, get designated not for human consumption. So they're sent to like pet food industry, you know, or they're, they're, they're not allowed for us to use as food. So really it's one thing that I'm hoping to change. And I'm, it's one of my goals to help support is change the supply chain in the U S around organ meats, but we're able to get the, those five organs. Um, they come to us freeze dried and powdered already. And I have, it's mixed for us. And it's the same quality that you're getting when you order uh, encapsulated organ meat products. We're all, most of us are sourcing from New Zealand. Um, and uh, I took that, I took that product and I added it or combined it with organic spices and herbs. And I made it taste good because that was definitely a big hurdle as a lot of people were like, whether they've tried it or not, they just have this association that organ meat's going to taste bad. It's kind of funny to me because you'll, if I put like a cake in front of you that you've never tried and I said, oh, here's this, whatever cake, you know, German chocolate cake, let's just say you've never had it. You're like, oh, well, let me try it. Right. You'd be like, you'd have no hurdle to trying it. But if I put an organ in front of you that you've never tried, you'd be like, Ick. like, I don't want to try that. And so I think it's funny that, that that our mindset is so closed off to certain things and so open to other things, despite not trying either of them. Um, but I definitely, you know, hope that I, I think I've overcome that hurdle with pluck because we get feedback that everyone really, really loves it. I mean, you've tried it, right? So what, yes. what, what are your thoughts? <clears throat> oh, I love it. I have the zesty garlic and I've been putting it on everything, like my eggs, my meats, my sides, all of the things, and it tastes great. So, um, but I also, and, and you don't taste any kind of organ meat flavor to it. So yeah, it's yeah. it's amazing. But you recognize um, it's different though. Like you can still taste the umami, right? That it's, it just has, it has a flavor to it that's different it than, does. Other, than other seasonings. It just doesn't, your brain doesn't connect it to organ meats. Mm-hmm. Yep. And how much is somebody actually getting from this or how much do they need to consume to be able to get the vitamins and minerals from the seasoning? Yeah. I So the goal with pluck the seasonings at least is really to get people who are not eating organ meats regularly to eat them regularly. Mm-hmm. And so I really see the, the flavors as gateways to organ meat. Um, they're, they're 15% organ meat blend. And I always kind of make sure people understand. So when you, when I take a wet organ, hundred percent wet organ and I freeze dry it, it goes down to about 23, 25%. So you're losing 75% of that, of, of its mass due to all the water weight lost. So when I say 15% of that organ, you can't equate it to a wet organ. It's, it's concentrated 15%. So it is a good amount of a spice, but either way, no matter what, You've got to use it regularly because or the, the whole point of the pluck seasoning is that you're basically getting micro dosing plus frequent use equals cumulative effect. So you've got to be using it on every meal. And that's why, you know, the, we, we made it delicious because you really, as you just mentioned, you can add it to everything. Like you can put it on your breakfast. You can put it on your lunch. You could put it on your dinner. My kids, even we put it on popcorn, even if we watch mm. a movie or something like that. So you can really go crazy and put it on everything and then getting, and then get that microdosing frequently. Now for those people that are like, I don't want the microdosing. I want the hundred percent nutrition all the time. And I want access to that all the time. We have another product called pluck pure, and that is just the organ meats. There's no spices. There's no herbs. There's no salt. 
It's literally the same thing as what's in the capsules, but there's no capsules. It's in a pouch. So you can spoon it into a smoothie. You can spoon it into mm. spaghetti sauce or a curry. You basically, can, you can add it to anything that already has flavor and then get the 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 100%, you know, organ meat nutrition in everything that you want. Um, and I recommend people do about a teaspoon a day with that. If, if that, they, you know, they, you can, what I love, this is something that actually doesn't get talked about, about a lot. And I love this product for this reason. So when I am low in salt, if I take my finger and I dip it into some really good sea salt and I put it in my mouth, my body gives my brain an immediate communication of like, oh, I, you want, you need more of that. So do it again. Or it will say like, nope, you're good. Like that was nice, but I don't want any more. And salt will actually taste different. It won't taste as appealing, right? Mm -hmm. There's an immediate communication between basically your body and your brain. Well, when we take a capsule, we completely bypass that communication. So you don't actually know, does your body need this? Do your, does your body want this? How much mm -hmm. of your body does, how much does your body need and want? You're just kind of following the the back of the the bottle and it's telling you to take six to eight capsules. So you're taking them and you're, and then sometimes later you might even be feeling a little ill or who knows what's going on, but you don't necessarily equate it to that because you've done 10 other things between taking those, right? Mm. Well, what I love about not having the capsules and having it in this powder form that's available to you just to put, to touch, you know, touch with your finger, put it in your mouth, you know, whatever it is, or take a spoonful of it you're able to get that immediate communication. I'm not saying the flavor is going to be amazing, but I'm more just saying that you get that communication. Your body's going to tell you like, oh yeah, you need more of this. Or it's going to be like, oh, that was good. I'm, I'm good. Like that's enough for today. Hmm. But I, I personally look for, that's what I love about real food is you get that immediate communication and that immediate knowledge. Mm, that's so cool. I honestly didn't even think of that. It's It's kind of like, muscle testing in a sense, but most people don't know how to do muscle testing on themselves. So totally. like you said, doing that and, and putting it in your mouth and actually consuming it is a better way to assess that. Very cool. Um, what about people who want to actually try real organ meats? Do you have favorite ways of cooking those to make them actually taste good or enjoyable into someone's diet? Yeah, I mean the key the key with easing into organ meats is just is really overcoming that mindset. So how I recommend people ease into it is you know we've been talking about pluck. It, that's that's obviously as I mentioned earlier is the gateway. It's just so easy, and I'd say that's stage one. So if mm -hmm. you've never had organ meats, definitely start with pluck. It's just it's 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 no different than any seasoning, but it's got, you know, in terms of how it's stored and you can keep it on your table and you can just treat it like salt and pepper and just sprinkle it on your food. But what's good about starting with pluck too, is it helps to start to change your palate. Cause it's very, it's very, I mentioned earlier, it's umami. It's got a, a specific taste to it. And that umami flavor is unique and it's going to start to change your palate. And usually what umami does is it turns picky eaters into more adventurous eaters. So what happens is just by starting to use pluck, you're right away going to start to change the flavors that actually excite you and kind of your, you, it's going to start to change your mindset and open you up, but you don't want to stop there. We definitely want to incorporate more nose to tell into our diet. So then I would say next would be to either purchase a blend, like a ground meat blend that already has organ meats in it, like, like force of nature has some, 
um, or make your own. And one of the really easy ways to make your own is to purchase, let's say, a beef liver, but keep it frozen after you purchase it. And because really, it's it, we get overwhelmed with the, the the organ meats once they're defrosted. If they're frozen, it's just a hard hunk of something, right? You don't you don't even think about it. So keep it frozen, and then what you do is well, you can do two things. You can either grate it into your ground meats. So literally, just take a grater like it's cheese or something, and just grate it, and it will um, you know you keep the ratios fairly down. So you maybe do like two to four tablespoons. I would start maybe even with one and just kind of move up from there. But if you do too much, if you go over for a pound of meat, you want to keep it to about four tablespoons max. Because if you go over, then you're going to change the texture and the taste. And we're trying to not do that at this stage. We're trying to make it so it's seamless. So it tastes no different than, let's say, if you're making hamburgers, the hamburgers don't taste weird. They don't have a weird texture. We want it to be very everyday at first. Because like I said, we're training your palate and we're, and we're changing your mindset and we're easing into it. Um, the other thing you can do is you can take that liver and you can puree it uh, and then put it in your um, like your ice cubes, you, you know, container and basically make little ice cubes with it. And then you could pull those out whenever you want. You're making, I don't know, spaghetti sauce or when you're making a smoothie and you just add little small cubes to whatever you're doing and you won't notice the taste. And so that's that's another way you can do it. And then after that, I would say, okay, now we're kind of, we help to support your palate. You're kind of being a little bit more adventurous. You, you're now ready to try an organ. And I would say, start with chicken hearts specifically, mm. because as I mentioned earlier, the heart, uh, well, actually I didn't mention this earlier. So I mentioned the tongue is kind of similar muscle. It has a similar meat to muscle. Well, so does the heart. Those are the two organs that are kind of closest to muscle meat. And so that's a powerful one to start with. They're small. They're also very uh, mild and tender. Like they don't, they don't really taste like much and they take on the flavor of whatever you're doing them with. So I would, I would recommend, let's just say you're making a stir fry and sometimes we add mushrooms to that stir fry. So we don't add 20 mushrooms. We add maybe like two to four mushrooms to that stir fry. And so do the same thing with the hearts, just do like two to four and chop them up just like you would a mushroom and then toss them in with all this other stuff, with other protein, with other vegetables, with the sauce, whatever it is. And you probably won't even realize it's in there. Mm. You, you literally, you'll probably, your brain will think it's a mushroom because of how you cut it and just the shape of it. Um, so that would be kind of that next stage. And then from there, I would, I would actually delve into the tongue. Like I was talking about earlier, like follow, go to our site, get the recipe for tongue tacos and just follow that. And once you do tongue, it's, it's kind of hard to go back because you start to realize, wow, this is, this is easy. And the flavor is really good. And, and it's also more nutritious and you can always eat, even with the tongue, similar to what we're doing with the chicken hearts is you can like ease into it. Like, so you don't like, let's just say I was making pulled tacos, right. And I'm making, and I'm, um, slow cooking or pressure cooking the tongue. Well, I could still add pork butt or pork shoulder or beef to that. Like I, I don't have to only do the beef tongue. I could also do an, another meat and then basically combine those meats in the sauce and no one's going to know. So you really, you don't have to be all or nothing. You can really truly ease into it, go gently 
and support that palate change and that change of mindset as well. The average woman puts almost 200 different chemicals on her skin daily. Our skin is our largest organ and it is very absorbent. So just about everything you put on your skin winds up in your bloodstream and your body has to deal with processing that. Now, unfortunately, the cosmetic industry and other industries for self-care products put some pretty nasty chemicals in their products that lead to hormone imbalance, a wide variety of other side effects, and eventually disease. So for a lot of my products, I like to use Beauty Counter because they have a list of over 1,800 chemicals that they will never use. And a lot of other big beauty companies are putting these in their products. So swapping out toxic beauty products like my makeup, shampoo and conditioner, and lotions for cleaner versions was a really big piece while I was healing from my autoimmune disease. I also like Beauty Counter a lot because their products are high quality. I've tried other makeup brands and self-care products that are all natural, and I do like some of them, but they just don't stay on my skin or look as good as Beauty Counter products do. So head over to beautycounter.com forward slash Rachel Smith. So that's Beauty Counter, B-E-A-U-T-Y-C-O-U-N-T-E-R.com forward slash Rachel Smith, R-A-C-H-E-L-S-M-I-T-H to shop with me as your consultant. So feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions about their products and you can start swapping your potentially more toxic products for cleaner ones that are an amazing quality and your body is going to thank you for this. Mm -hmm. Those are some really awesome creative ideas. So thank you for sharing that. I think a lot of people, if they've tried it, they've probably gone all the way in, right? And tried like a liver pate or liver and onions or something like that, which is very extreme. So I love that you can slowly layer these things in and change the palette. And I also, I love the blends I use. I've, I've used force of nature's, but then I also use us wellness meats and they have that 75% ground beef, 25% already pre-made for someone who's like freaked out to, to use the organs. Um, but yeah, I love the idea of, of slowly easing into all of that stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. We have access to so many things. I mean, you just mentioned U.S. Wellness Meats. That's online. Um, same with Force of Nature's. You can find it at grocery stores. You can go to your local farmer's market and talk to the farmers there. A lot of times, even if they're not advertising that they have organs, they do have them. They just, they're just not advertising. So just talk to them and say, hey, do you have the tongue? Do you have the liver? Do you have chicken hearts? Whatever it is. And if they don't, they probably will bring them next time for you. Um, it's 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 amazing once you start talking to people, what you can get access to. I mean, I know some people who, cause it's really hard to get certain organs. Like you can't, for the most part, finding, for example, cow brain, really, really challenging, really challenging. Hmm. Um, but if you go to a local farmer and talk to them and, and potentially purchase a cow share or something like that, then you could probably get access to the brain. And um, that's the, I mean, the brain is one that I wish we could all be eating more of. I mean, think about when I talked about like supports like, right? Like, think mm -hmm. about if we were eating more brain, I wonder if, I just wonder, would that help with, uh, you know, with Alzheimer's? Would that help with dementia? Mm. I don't know. It might. We don't know until we try. But I know that our ancestors used to eat every part of the animal. Yep. Nose to tail. Yeah. 
Well, I know you have some kids, so I'm wondering if you have any cooking tips for parents on how to get kids to eat healthy foods. Yeah, this is a fun topic. Uh, It's fun in that it's sometimes um, comedic and and can be uh, overwhelming because it's, you know, I want to say it's it's hard being a parent. I mean, anyone that says, oh, I know some people love it, but I just, I think everyone would agree it's challenging you know you you have to be in the moment you have to you have to be present to your kids even when you're when you have other things on your mind um you you have to constantly be introduced to new phases because they're growing and you're you you keep entering a new you think you got it figured out and then the next minute they're they're 10 or 13 and you're like you don't have it figured out so you have to kind of kept keep adapt to to um to the changes and then you have to do it all while you're also doing your career and and making sure that your family is provided for. So very challenging for parents, I find. So I always feel like the best thing that a parent can do is and it's ensure that they are not um, creating more work for themselves. So basically, like I, I know some parents will sometimes make multiple meals because everyone is eating something different or everyone has different preferences. And I, I personally am against that, severely against it. I mean, to the point even when like right now, I'll share that my daughter, my oldest daughter is on a protocol uh, because we we did some testing. She has some stuff going on. And so we're not cooking specific for her what we did was we got the whole family on her protocol so -hmm. we're all following her protocol and we're even doing the the supplements she's doing and it's not because uh, those supplements are ones that um, are okay for anyone to take it's more because we just know even without testing ourselves that we probably have some of the issues she has you know what i mean so we're we're all following the same protocol so to, to not only support our own health, but to really support her and to make it easier for everyone else. So that's one thing right away is just stop making those sub sub meals, you know what I mean? Make one meal and then to get out of that mindset of like, that there is a difference between adult food and kid food. There isn't one like just because their kid doesn't mean their chicken has to be shaped like a dinosaur. It's like we we really can eat the same foods. Um I mean, even when a child is first eating food, you know, baby led weaning is all about just giving them big chunks of things that they can gnaw on and just experience, you know, hold in their hand and have control over and experience that you don't have to mash everything up. You don't have to, um, you don't have to treat all baby food as though it's supposed to look and taste the same. You can still give them varied textures, varied sizes, things like that. And you're right away setting them up for that variety and that adventuresome kind of palette later on if you do that. Then the other thing I would say is, and this is where it gets a little comedic, is um, people will say, I just don't understand my kid. They're, they're, they're completely addicted to chips or they're completely addicted to Cheerios. And I just, I can't, can't get them off it. And it's like, well, who introduced them to Cheerios? Like Cheerios, it's not like they're walking around and Cheerios are growing on trees. Like someone brought it into the house and got them introduced to it and like is giving it to them. And that's where we're, as parents, we're all culprits, you know, and I'm definitely in my household, I'm the culprit. I bring in, I I tend to be the one that's like, oh, like, let's just 
get them this cereal this time, you know, let's, and so I'm the one that introduces this product that they probably shouldn't be eating in the first place. And then when they're, they keep asking for it, it's like, oh, well, it's my fault. It's not their fault. Of course, mm-hmm. they're going to want these addictive foods, you know, these foods that were designed to, you know, mess with their heads, like to get them to, to target their addictive qualities and their, 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 um, their, their different needs and wants. Right. Um, and so, you know, so I think we have to kind of check ourselves and be like, okay, let's not, let's not bring in foods that we don't want in our kids' diets into the house. Like, don't bring them in. If you still want to give them a treat sometimes, then make that treat something you have to do outside of the home. Like you have to go out to get it. You have to, it's actually becomes a, an experience or you make it a little hard to, to get it because if it's easy we'll do it. You know what I mean? Well, you know what I mean? And so if it's in the household, you're going to do it. You're going to have a day where you just can't control yourself. You're going to eat it. And then lastly, I would say um, is to work on uh, starting meal planning. Meal planning is really, really helpful. And in in that process, including your kid into the meal plan. But what's really powerful about a meal plan is that A, you can design the whole food week off of your schedule. So if you have a really busy week, you can make sure that that day's food is maybe a slow cooker day. You know, you you can change that meal plan according to your work week. You also can always make sure you're cooking more. You're you're kind of batch cooking. So whatever you're, whenever you're cooking dinner, make sure you cook twice as much because that dinner is tomorrow's lunch, right? So you can always make your next day easier if you have leftovers. And then third is you just include the kids into the process the whole time, like pick a cookbook off your shelf and they're going through with you. And they're like, what looks interesting? They're including in on that process. You go um, to the grocery store together to buy the things they're in that process. Maybe when you're cooking them, they're helping you because one thing I love to do as a chef with my kids is like, I'll say, well, let's taste this red pepper when it's raw. Let's taste it when it's cooked and let's taste it um, when it has when it's dipped in this sauce and let's see which one we like. And so I get them like really trying things at different stages. Mm. And it, and once again, it helps them form their palate. It helps them to be more adventurous and it helps them to see how, how the produce tastes in its raw state and then how cooking it or manipulating it in, in, in any way changes the taste and or texture. Mm-hmm. Those are some amazing tips. Thank you so much. And how do your kids feel about the pluck seasonings? <laughs> they, <laughs> I, I, I do not joke about this. Like they love it. Like I'm, I, and I'm, I'm not just saying that because I made it like they, they ask for it all the time. Um, just the other day, or actually even just this morning, I was making uh, some, I had soaked some walnuts last night and I was making some, what I call pluck nuts. So basically I, I soak the nuts and this recipe is actually on our website. I drain it and then I add like a little bit of ghee to it. And then I stick it in a low heat oven, about 300 degrees. And I just roast it. And then in that process, I add some pluck to it as well. And you get these really delicious nuts. And they kept walking in the kitchen going like, what smells so good? And I'm like, oh, well, I, I made some pluck nuts. And they're like, oh, like they just, they love it on every on every level from the taste to the smell to to they miss it when it's they put it on even toast i mean they put it on everything <laughs> that's awesome i've got to try some of the recipes on your website 
And also for anybody who's listening, we have a special for you guys. So if you go to, there's going to be a link in the show notes to eatpluck.com and you can actually use the code NHR10, all capital letters, NHR10, and you get 10% off of anything you get from Pluck. So you guys can start experimenting, start getting the organ meats into your nutrition plan and maybe getting that into your kids as well because it sounds like the kids love it too. Um, So final question, which I ask everybody on this show, if you could leave the listeners with one tip to help them live a healthier, happier life that maybe they could implement today or this week, what would that be? Well, I should probably say something around organ meat since that's my focus, <laughs> but um, it could be anything. Yeah, I, I have to default to um, to two things that really, I mean, you know, in all my time, these are the two biggest movers. It's they really are. And I can't even tell you how I get I test myself every few years. And I always come up slightly dehydrated. So, so one of the movers is just drinking water. And, and I even now drink it with electrolytes to kind of support the absorption of the mm-hmm. water, but really making sure that not only are you drinking the water, but that you're absorbing it is key. And then the other is sleep. And, and the, the reason I put sleep even above food is because I make better choices when I have good sleep. So sleep tends to affect not only how I, you know, the decisions I make in life, but the food decisions I make the next day. And mm-hmm. so I really feel it's it's a huge precursor to your health because if you're not rested, if you're not, you know, of sound mind and body, then you're not going to make good decisions around your health. You're going to make more immediate gratification decisions. And, and whenever we go for immediate gratification, we're going to go towards those high flavor, uh, low nutrient density foods, you know, like chips and cookies and anything that's got lots of flavor and potentially certain fats, but not necessarily the good stuff that we want in our body. Yeah, exactly. And it, that lack of sleep stimulates our hunger hormones more too. So we're just automatically eating more calories. So totally agree with that. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, if you want to feel free to share any last comments or where people can find you if they want to chat with you or anything like that. Yeah, um, we're on social media at Eat Pluck. And then I'm personally at Chef James Berry. And that's Berry with an A, B-A-R-R-Y. And um, please, if you do get some pluck, pl- make sure to post about it and to um, tag us because we love to see how people use it. We're still a young company. We've been about uh, out for about a year and a half. And so we're still learning and, and growing with uh, our customers. So, so please, please join us on that mission. Great. Thank you so much, James. Thank you. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And if so, please make sure you leave a comment and rating on whatever podcast platform you're using and share this episode with a friend who needs to hear it. Please remember that this podcast is not meant to treat, cure, or prevent any illness. Always talk to your healthcare provider before implementing any nutrition, lifestyle, or supplement changes you hear about on this podcast. Now, before I go, I want to talk more about how I may be able to help you. If you are someone who is sick of running from doctor to doctor, not getting any answers, but you still know something is wrong, functional medicine is the way for you to go. I have worked with so many people who have been dismissed by doctors 
who have experienced things like anxiety, hair loss, PMS, brain fog, eczema, bloating, and other GI issues, and more. But when I run functional medicine labs on these people, we actually find the root causes of what's going on. And this might be things like hidden gut infections, toxic heavy metals, mold, leaky gut, and vitamin and mineral deficiencies. And then with this information, we're able to make nutrition, lifestyle changes, and custom supplementation and herbal protocols, which actually helps these people get rid of their symptoms. I've seen clients reverse rheumatoid arthritis, alopecia areata, IBS, and other complex health issues. And I've also seen clients who thought they were generally healthy level up into an optimized and energetic version of themselves that they didn't even know they could access. So wherever you're at with your health, you can book a free health consultation with me by going to the link in the show notes or by heading over to naturalhealthrising.com and book a call there right now so that you can start feeling like yourself again, happy and energized. Okay, that's all I have for you today. Keep tuning in every week to gain more knowledge on how to live your healthiest, happiest life. And make sure to follow me on TikTok and Instagram for additional health information.